This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Well, since humans first learned to think, there has been one big question that humans have sought to answer. That question is, what are humans thinking? Well, uh, my next guest has done yeoman's work in terms of redefining the analysis of how humans think, what they think about, and how their thoughts can be quantified and characterized. And he often comes down a very different way from what the rest of uh, the rest of his colleagues come down on. And you know what an iconoclast I am, that this is right up my alley. I'm a big, big fan of his work. I don't know how he finds the time to do all the things that he manages to do, but he's a cognitive scientist, an author, a podcaster, a popular science writer, and he has written a great deal and researched a great deal on intelligence, creativity, and human uh, human potential. Gives me a great deal of pleasure. Welcome, Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman. Dr. Kaufman, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Ah, so great to talk to you, and thanks for such an amazing intro. Well, it has the added virtue of being true. I've been following your work for a long time. Uh, I've read a couple of your books, been fascinated by it for a long time. But for people that uh, aren't familiar with your work, I, I guess a lot of what you've kind of become known for is your attempts to redefine intelligence. Now, I think uh, wherever our listeners come down on the intelligence question, most of us tend to think of it as kind of the same thing. I mean, we think of Albert Einstein as intelligent. We think of uh, somebody that's got a super high IQ as intelligent. You've caused a lot of people to rethink what intelligence is. How do you think intelligence should be redefined, and how is that different from the societal norm? Oh, that's a great question. Well, a lot of people equate intelligence with your IQ, your your raw cognitive capacity, how quick are you at responding to things and uh, and having abstract thinking. But a lot of the problems with that way of thinking about intelligence is that it leaves out the importance of engagement and personal goals and dreams in one's, uh, in, in one's intellectual capacity. Well, we write off a lot of kids in a school system. We write them off as not particularly intelligent or capable um, who have are brimming with lots and lots of potential because if we looked at their dreams, looked at their their goals, we looked at their um, got them engaged and activated um, with a passion towards something, you would see a whole different kind of intelligence exhibit itself. And I, I've seen it in in so many different kinds of um, people who have been written off from from these savants who have low IQs but are capable of doing a really remarkable things to. Um, to lots of kids with learning disabilities who are in special education and don't they don't think they have much potential because they're getting those signals from others but they but a lot of them have extraordinary potential 
So give me an example of someone that society wouldn't consider intelligent, but that you do, uh, whether it's somebody that you just mentioned, somebody that has a learning disability and is able to accomplish something different, or somebody through creativity is able to achieve something extraordinary, even though they're not likely to beat Ken Jennings in Jeopardy anytime soon. Yeah, well, the thing is, it's more about during like an IQ testing session, it's it's so, it's so divorced from from anything else. So you can have a kid uh, or an adult who takes an IQ testing session, and in that completely completely decontextualized environment, where you, why do you care about these kind of puzzles, right? And you you have no interest in that, and so you you score very poorly on that kind of test. Or let's say you have a learning disability like ADHD or dyslexia that gives you working memory deficit, so it makes it really hard for you to concentrate in that particular IQ testing session. So then the person looks at the, the, the school psychologist or the, the psychologist looks at the results and, 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 to, and deems that person unintelligent based on that testing session. But then you take that very same person, like let's take someone with dyslexia who may have a hard time focusing during an IQ testing session, and you look at these hidden strengths, these amazing intellectual strengths they have that they often apply towards business. Uh, business acumen or or uh, being able to have visualization ability to really uh, mainly rotate things in, in three-dimensional space in, in really profound ways. When they really get activated and excited, you see a whole different kind of intelligence. You often see this a lot with people with ADHD. Mm. Um, people with ADHD, when you get them really into the flow state, um, there's this, this state of oneness with what you're you're doing where everything recedes in the background and, and the only thing that's important is what you're creating. You get them really engaged in something that they're really passionate about. They actually have hyper-focus. They could be more focused and in flow than, than people who don't have ADHD. So, so much of it is contextual, yet the way that the standard metrics of intelligence have tended to be historically uh decontextualized, if that makes sense. Uh, no, I, I think it certainly it certainly does. Now, you're the person that has caused a lot of us to rethink intelligence. What caused you, uh, coming from a kind of conventional educational background all the way up to your PhD, uh, to rethink intelligence and start looking at intelligence differently? When did you realize that maybe the way that society was measuring intelligence wasn't all it was cracked up to be? Uh, well, I was like four years old. <laughs> I was actually in, I was in special education as a, as a really young child. I had it, I was essentially deaf the first three years of my life. And I remember being very, very confused about why uh, people had such low expectations for me. And, and I, I know personally that I had this really rich imagination. I had this fantasy life. I was writing uh, stories, I was writing complete stories at the, I guess, age nine, 10, um, uh, science fiction stories, and I felt like I had more capability, but it was very confused why no one else seemed to think that I had this capability. And then also my friends in special ed, I felt like they were being written off, and I knew them. Some of them were my best friends, and I saw their potential as well. And so I feel like just at a very, very young age, I felt this mission to someday rethink the education system. Well, I think you've certainly rethought it and caused a lot of other people to uh, do that as well. Now, you've got this new book out. This is one of your books that I haven't read, but I'm looking forward to picking up, picking it up. It's called Transcend, The New Science of Self-Actualization. Now, before we get into what the new science is, what do we mean when we talk about the term self-actualization? Yeah, what is the unique, the most unique creative potential that you have within yourself? 
you know, we have lots of needs that we share with other people, like the need for connection, need for, you know, love, and need for self-esteem. Um, but what is the, the most unique creative potential that if fully actualized would really be able to show the world that you uniquely existed on this planet? That is what I view as self-actualization. Well, and uh, tell me about Transcend. What are people going to learn about self-actualization in this book? Yeah, well, let me just uh, say that self-actualization is different than transcendence. I see self-actualization as a necessary but not sufficient condition for transcendence. When you have this creative potential that you fully um, work toward every day, you choose growth, you overcome your deficiencies, you overcome your, your motivation for your deficiencies, and you start to merge with the world in a beautiful way where what is automatically good for you is good for the world. This is what I refer to as transcendence. There's this great synergy. Um, and when you have that synergy, you feel integrated, you feel harmonious, you feel harmonious within yourself. You stop fighting a, a war within yourself, you know, having different sides of yourself being pulled apart from each other, um, as well as with the environment. So this book is really about the latest science of human potential and how we can, and often how we hold ourselves back and, and the many, many ways we hold ourselves back from realizing who we could truly become. So much of people just thinking, we're talking with Scott Barry Kaufman. He is a cognitive scientist, an author, a podcaster, and a popular science writer. So much of what I've enjoyed about your book, your work is that it's focused on unlocking individuals' full potential. Now, yeah. what what is the biggest mistake that most people make, whatever their field, whatever their age, whatever their gender, whatever their stage in life? What's the biggest mistake that most people make in not living up to their full potential? I think that a lot of people, because they have certain deficiencies in their basic needs, like maybe they're lonely and so they have a deficiency in their need for connection, or maybe they don't feel like they have a lot of respect, so they're def deficient in their self-esteem or, or, or they don't feel unsafe in their environment. There's so many ways our basic needs can be deficient. One of the biggest mistakes is that we focus so much on our deficiencies that we don't ever really see the bigger picture of who we could become. And I see that so much in my own clients. Um, I'm a self-actualization coach. And with my clients, you just can clearly see how people are, are not even aware of their higher potentialities because they're so narrowly focused day in and day out on just satisfying their most basic needs to a certain level. Well, it, it, so give us some tips. What can we do to satisfy our uh, basic needs and let not let our limitations block uh, our full potential from being realized? Well... I have a new book coming out this year called Choose Growth, which is an entire workbook on these sorts of, uh, these sorts of things. Um, you know, I, a lot of this is really being open to new experiences and, um, exp and, and moving towards a exploration, curiosity mindset towards things. We, we often have as a default a avoidant tendency or a fear response, um, but a big part of the self-actualization process is getting outside your comfort zone and really moving in the direction of growth. I really like this phrase, choose growth. This is I'm trying to start the choose growth campaign where we realize that some of our biggest traumas, like even just uh, the last couple of years 
and and all the difficulties and challenges that we've had as uh, humanity you know has had that we can all share together there's post traumatic growth that can come from that we can really shift our priorities we can really um see new ways of uh being in the world to to help others and to um even grow ourselves so i'm just going to leave you with just the slogan choose growth because it's something you have to choose every single day um and when you choose that option what you're choosing is the option of moving toward um your your most creative potentialities and away from fear and, and what about the 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 creativity specifically you really seem passionate about helping people tap into creativity that they may not routinely be tapping into or realize that they're tapping into it. What can be done uh, in, in whatever you're doing professionally or, or in your personal life to better realize your creative potential? Yeah, I really like thinking of creativity not as the thing you do, but who you are. And and every single day gives us so many opportunities for creativity. We're all wired for creativity. Um, and it's a matter of being – like I think I mentioned openness to experiences already. But being open to new experiences, um, having uh, – cultivating a, uh, a great sense of wonder and – um, and being sensitive to uh, to the world and constantly being on search for new meanings for things. All these are all these sort of things I'm mentioning are thing are ways of being. They're ways that we uh, create things in the world just by existing and expressing who we uniquely are. I don't think it's an add-on. I don't think it's something like creative. It's something of people mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I'm not creative. No, you are creative because you're, you 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 are a unique human. Uh- Talking with Scott Barry Kaufman, he's a uh, cognitive scientist. His uh, latest book is Transcend, but uh, that won't be his latest book for long because he he writes books literally at a faster pace than I can read them. So uh, <laughs> be sure to check. You could check out Scott's website, and uh, a whole world opens up. Uh, the website uh, is uh, Scott Barry Kaufman. Two T's in, in Scott, two R's in Barry Kaufman. Standard spelling dot com. You've spent a great deal of time analyzing folks with autism. One of the saddest things that I think I see in society on a regular basis is, and I've probably been guilty of it myself from time to time, is that we we almost view autistic people in society as folks that can never be productive, folks that uh, are to be treated uh, differently, isolated, uh, talked to and treated like children rather than adults who can contribute in a meaningful way. What has your study and your research taught you about autism and what can the world learn from you? Yeah, thank you. I, I'm, I'm glad you gave me the opportunity to talk about that topic very near and dear to my heart. I, I've really tried to argue that we need to rethink this stuff, for, as, as I do, <laughs> But rethinking autism as well. So I often we tend to a lot of people kind of treat people who are autistic spectrum as though they're awkward, socially socially awkward. But I say they're socially creative. You know, there is a, a different way of being that people on the autism spectrum have, but the, but different doesn't mean bad. Um, and we need all sorts of different kinds of um, brain wirings in this world. Uh, neuro, we need that neurodiversity. Um, to be able to to get different perspectives on the world and um, be able to learn from each other. People in the autism spectrum 
have a lot of uh, often have a lot of very very uh, very strong gifts um, that they they offer to the world. Uh, their their literalness uh, sometimes actually allows us to uh, see the truth in ways that uh, that a lot of uh, neurotypical people don't really see the truth because there there's so many sort of like fat around it, you know, and people are so always trying to be so polite with each other. You know, people in the autism, I love hanging out with them because they just tell you what they think. Mm. They're not, they're not trying to sugarcoat things and, 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 and they're very, they're truth seekers. And I, I absolutely love that. I do too, and uh, it certainly, as certainly, I think if you look at the prevalence of autism and the growth of autism, and maybe it's just autism diagnosis, uh, there's certainly a lot of autistic people around uh, living into adulthood, living into old age in many instances, and uh, I think the sooner that society can get accustomed to integrating them into the professional world in a more meaningful way, the better off we'll all be. Hey, one subject that I've always been fascinated by, and you see one study, you see a different study, and they say different things and suggest different things, is the psychology of political belief. Now, we have a lot of folks listening to us who feel very strongly on one side of the aisle or another. Are there any commonalities to the psychological archetype of someone that's conservative or liberal or Republican or independent or Democrat? There are personality differences for sure. Yeah. Um, but what, something that's interesting is that uh, the, the liberals often look at conservatives and, and say, oh, they're not – they don't have any compassion, you know, and conservatives tend to look at liberals and be like, oh, they're – they, you know they're bleeding hard. <laughs> they like they're they're too too compassionate. The thing is, they're they are both compassionate just in different ways. The research shows that um, people uh, Republicans tend to be more score high on politeness, and they tend to value that more, whereas those on the left tend to value um, empathy and compassion more. There are different ways of expressing um, one's agreeableness in this world and expressing um, and caring about things. You know, you you actually need to look at it as a an integrated sort of higher whole. I think we need the kind of skills and characteristics um, and and views on on very on a lots of different sides. And I think it's unfortunate that we have this duopoly that that creates this uh, this binary as opposed to trying to figure out ways of integrating and coming up with higher order truths. Well, no, I would certainly agree. And uh, Scott, I I wish I could talk with you all day because uh, you're such a fascinating guy. You've done such great work. And I hope you'll come back soon. Thank you. Invite me back anytime, my man. Absolutely. Uh, Scott Barry Kaufman, if you want to comment on any portion of our discussion, you're welcome to give me a call. 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. 